0: Download the Move app and log in with your Mamma login. Head to move.mamma and use code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to... You're so to such ..a, a Mamma Mia podcast. <laughs> From Mamma Mia, hi, I'm Claire Murphy. Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. The 2021 Australian of the Year has been announced...
1: Grace Tame.
0: So what happens after the ceremony is over? After the award is safely tucked up on a shelf somewhere in the honoree's home? Today, we speak to three previous Australians of the Year to find out what it really means to be honoured on January 26. The Australian of the Year Awards started in 1960, On the award's website, it says that the purpose of the honour is to offer an insight into Australian identity, reflecting the nation's evolving relationship with Britain and the world, the role of sport in Australian culture, the impact of multiculturalism and the special status of Australia's Indigenous people. In what would make a ton of sense in 2021, the very first person to receive the award was a virologist, Nobel Prize winner Sir Macfarlane Burnett. He was followed by opera singer Dame Joan Sutherland and then yachtsman John Sturrock. There are a stack of sports stars on the list, like Dawn Fraser, Jack Brabham, Lionel Rose, Shane Gould, Yvonne Goolagong, Alan Border, Cathy Freeman and Adam Goods. There are artists like The Seekers, Paul Hogan, John Farnham, Mandua Unipingu, and media personalities like Ita Batros. And, of course, there are the odd controversial ones too, like former businessman Alan Bond. The rest of the list includes incredible doctors and scientists, like Fiona Wood, who invented the spray-on skin that helped the victims of the Bali bombings, and eye surgeon Fred Hollows, members of the armed forces like military surgeon and World War II prisoner of war, Sir Edward Weary Dunlop, and those who've made an incredible impact on their communities, Indigenous leader Mick Dodson, Ian Kiernan, the founder of Clean Up Australia, and, of course, the 2015 recipient, domestic violence campaigner, Rosie Batty.
2: Thank you, Mr. Prime Minister. I am truly honoured and would like to dedicate this award to my beautiful son, Luke.
0: Rosie was recognised for her work in the family violence space, taking her grief over the death of her son at the hands of her ex husband and turning it into a campaign to shine a light into the darkness.
2: From the moment that Luke was killed, I spoke out and really didn't stop speaking. So the months that followed, which led into a coronal inquest, all really contributed to a lot of media activity, a lot of political interest, a lot of community support. And I think that it really shocked people so much, particularly someone speaking out so soon at the time of such a tragedy in such a raw and grief-stricken way that I think it really gave family violence an opportunity to be part of a conversation that we really hadn't had. It was that dirty little secret that was behind closed doors. When I was nominated, I was very surprised, but clearly winning, I was utterly astonished because when you're nominated, you are alongside some people who are doing amazing things and have been for some time. And I felt quite an imposter because for me, it had all just snowballed. It had all just happened. I was still incredibly affected, of course, by the loss of my son and really trying to claw my way forward. Having purpose and meaning in my life, I think it's important for everybody, but it was certainly what kept me wanting to live. was probably one of the first people, I believe, to win Australia of the Year. I wasn't famous. I didn't have a department or a team. I won the award and I was an ordinary person. The first few days and weeks, I was in tears. It was so overwhelming. I couldn't cope with the volume of media, interest, The absolutely unrelenting and enormous numbers of requests to speak from all types of organizations and community events. And it was an avalanche. It was an absolute avalanche that I was totally unprepared for, really. And of course, at that time, it's a real honor to receive the award, but you don't get staff, you don't get any financial payment. And so you really have to look at well, how am I going to? navigate this year. You know, this was a wonderful opportunity to really make sure that this momentum and awareness that I'd created didn't get lost. In that year, I spoke at over 250 events, which were major conferences in front of thousands of people. I was often requested to have audiences with the prime ministers of the time because there were two <laughs> at different times and you know i was on task forces and panels and so it was an exhausting year you know i was barely home i was constantly driving to the airport or being driven to the airport and i wouldn't have done it any differently i really was treated with such regards such respect it was so Special. I was fearful of ending because, you know, you really felt when you visited regional areas, they're so appreciative of you taking time to visit their community and they make the absolute most of your visit but i made sure that i visited remote aboriginal communities and met aboriginal women i spoke to muslim women and other women from the cald community all types of women and communities and i was embraced and it was wonderful to be able to as a white privileged middle class woman to meet together sharing that shared experience
0: That's the impact it had on you personally, but what impact has Australian of the Year, you think, had on your foundation and on the work that you do?
2: Look, victims of family violence, organisations working in the family violence space, women's groups were so overjoyed that I was given that award was able to give organisations the opportunity to have a voice and recognition more than they'd had before. I wrote a book and that book became a bestseller. And certainly what I've really appreciated is when professionals and people working in this area have been able to say, you have enabled us to have conversations we couldn't have and made our work, I can't say easier because it can never be easy, but more possible. And I think that that's if that's what I've been able to do, because that's what I've always set out to do, which is actually place the victim of family violence at the centre of this so that they receive the support. And the recognition that they should have rather than the blaming and the judgment and the criticisms. So that's really what I think I've been able to do for many organisations. It was never going to be that easy. I know many people were concerned that once my term was finished, that the media would lose interest, politicians would lose interest and other things would take its place. But for that period of time, I worked as hard as I could with huge amount of support and goodwill. And we, certainly here in Victoria, we have had a Royal Commission to Family Violence, and so the work continues, and it continues to be a challenge because we still have one woman a week being murdered. Our justice system and our police responses continue to improve, but nowhere near where they need to be. And I've learnt a lot that societal change and attitudes take generations. It's a long, long ball.
0: There are, of course, more than just the Australians of the year. There are also the young Australians too. This list is heavily weighted in favour of athletes with names like Ash Barty, Casey Stoner, Leighton Hewitt, Ian Thorpe and Cathy Freeman, who's won in both categories, but there are also young artists and entrepreneurs like Marita Cheng, who received the honour in 2012.
3: Hi, it's a real honour to receive this award, especially when all the finalists are just so amazing.
0: For Marita, the award came after quite the journey setting up her school program, RoboGirls.
3: Before I started my engineering course, when I was in high school, there were a lot of girls in my classes, but then I got to university and there were only four other girls in my engineering course of mechatronics engineering and computer science. And so there were five girls in a class of 50. And it took me the whole of the first semester before I found the other four girls in my class. In my second year at uni, I decided to build a robot with my friends. It's a really simple one. And I approached the head of the electrical engineering department to ask for some funding for this robot. And he said he was interested in getting some university students to go to a girls' school and teach the girls robotics in order to get them interested in engineering. And I thought, oh, it's such a good idea. And I thought, if we're gonna to go to one school, why don't we go to all the schools? In the first three and a half months, we taught 124 girls from five schools around Melbourne. And it was great to do something with my friends and, and make a difference. we Girls expanded around Australia and it was so successful that six months later I returned to the UK and expanded around the UK and then a couple of years later Went to America and expanded around the US. So we have chapters all over the world. We've taught over 100,000 girls our robotics workshop. We have over 6,000 volunteers around the world. We've got this amazing community of people working towards this common cause. I think the year before I became Youngest Round of the Year, I probably gave like two speeches. As soon as I was named Youngest Round of the Year, I had like hundreds of text messages, hundreds of emails hundreds of requests to go and speak and speak at international women's day events various conferences or for companies everyone wanted to hear my story everyone wanted to hear what i'd done everyone wanted to know why the national australia day council decided i was the person that was put in the spotlight that year yeah it was awesome really to to have all these people like pay attention to what we were doing Rubigus is very well known We have very good name and brand recognition within the space, but I think even more importantly than that is that all of our chapters got all these opportunities and they got to step up their game and make an even larger impact. And then a lot of the things that we did that year led to longer lasting partnerships and relationships. And so it wasn't just a one-off thing. It was like a multi-year thing. It definitely accelerated our work in terms of achieving our goals. So it was a huge boost yeah, I just couldn't believe it. Like it didn't, didn't feel real to me. Like the whole thing was just like a dream. Like, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. But at the same time, like I was still like going to uni, I was still, you know, living in my share home in student accommodation apartment in in Melbourne. So like everything in my life was the same. And at the same time, there was this like added element of all these invites and then going to all these events. And, you know, I had so much energy the first month. It was like, oh yeah, look at me, I'm doing all this stuff. And then by the second month, I'm like, oh my gosh, I went to like 40, 50 events last month. I'm I'm really tired.
0: At the opposite end of the scale, there's the Senior Australian of the Year. This award only started in 1999, but the names on the list are legendary. Slim Dusty, pioneer of the bionic ear, Professor Graham Clark, Indigenous nurse, Sally Gould, reconciliation advocate, Fred Cheney, and of course, in 2010, cook, restaurateur and the grandmother we all secretly wish would adopt us, Maggie Beer.
1: Thank you. Thank you all. I mean, how, how incredibly humbled I am to be given this honour. I mean, with
0: the, the, all of the people that are here that are just so amazing. We have had the most amazing time. For Maggie, the award wasn't just a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. It was life-changing.
1: It was kind of that pinch-me moment that uh, has never really gone away. I had absolutely no idea. I knew it was a great honour, but I did not know what was to come. And what was to come has sort of been pivotal to a huge change in my life. All of a sudden, you had this platform to really be noticed and everyone wanted to talk to you, which was exciting. I had 900 requests to speak to people over that year. It was, I have to say, incredibly exciting, but also incredibly exhausting. But it did set me on a path that I didn't know was in front of me. One of those 900 requests was to speak to a 1,000 CEOs of aged care for their National Congress. To do so, to do a keynote speech, I did a whole lot of research into aged care homes and Meals on Wheels, and I came across things that were wonderful and things that were terrible. And so I presented my talk with what I thought were solutions and I was pretty naive. The solutions were needed but I had no understanding at the time of the complexity that made solutions difficult but it did set me on the path. It took a couple of years to unfold how I could make a difference but then in 2014 in April we finally formed the official foundation, the Maggie Beer Foundation, to set about changing food in aged care. So that has been my journey ever since.
0: So does becoming an Australian of the Year in any of the categories mean the same thing to all of these very worthy recipients?
1: For me, it was the most wonderful thing to happen and it will keep me busy for the rest of my life because of it.
3: It was so surreal, like I could not believe it at all. I was like, what? like it was, really made my head spin.
2: When I think of it, what it means to me, it's hard to, to put it into words, but when I think of what people have said to me, when you think of how many people have ever been Australian of the Year, you begin to realise what respect and what an honour it is. And when people say, I've never met an Australian of the Year before, or when they say, of all the people in Australia, there is only one Australian of the Year. (laughs) So what it means to me is a real honour and a real privilege and one that really did change my life.
0: Each of the Australians of the Year we spoke to today say they are incredibly honoured to have been chosen, but all mentioned that the conversation around January 26 has changed their views on the celebration being held that day.
1: I think it would be great to have a date that everyone was proud of.
0: That's the quickie for today. This episode was produced by Siobhan Moran-McFarlane and myself, Claire Murphy, with audio production by Ian Camilleri.